Let us hear the word, reading from Romans 12, commencing at verse 9. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Thanks, Ted. All right, uh, let's pray and ask God for his help. Thank you, Ted. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we come to this part of his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your great love for us in Jesus. Please help us understand now what it looks like for us to live as people who reflect that love and please work through your word to grow us to be more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. When I was uh, little, my sister and I, we used to love playing what we called bad guy games. It was pretty simple. We were the good guys and we had to fight and defeat the bad guys. It looked different every time we played. Sometimes we had to defend our base. Sometimes we were spies. Sometimes we flew spaceships. But some things were always the same. We always spoke with American accents. 
which really annoyed my relatives. And the good guys always defeated the bad guys. You know, we love the story of good versus evil, don't we? So many of our movies and our books and our stories are stories of good guys fighting the bad guys. Harry Potter, Narnia, The Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, they're all great stories and they're all about good finally overcoming evil. And and this passage that we're in Romans today, it is actually all about good overcoming evil. It's there at the beginning and the end of the passage. In verse 9, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. And in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. But this passage is not about defeating evil in a way that would sell tickets for a Hollywood movie. See, we don't actually rely on using the force or a huge elven army or running a school for wizards. Actually, the good that overcomes evil in this passage might surprise you. Over the last few weeks, Paul's been showing us how we should respond to all God's mercies to us in Jesus. After 11 chapters unpacking God's mercies, Paul has switched to outlining how we should now live in response to the gospel. And we've seen that over the last couple of weeks. We've seen how we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, giving our lives, all of ourselves to God. And that's actually what true worship is. We've seen how our minds should be transformed, that we don't think in the way of the world anymore, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And last week, we saw how that includes thinking about ourselves accurately, according to the gospel. Not too highly and not too lowly, but as those who belong to one another as one body in Jesus and use our gifts to serve others. And now this week, Paul shows us that as those who are being transformed in Christ, we don't fight evil like the world does. Instead, we overcome evil with good in our daily life as we love one another as God's people. Paul's going to unpack what this uh, evil overcoming love looks like. He's going to show us genuine love. He's going to show us active love. And he's going to show us overcoming love. That is how we overcome evil with good. So let's jump in, starting with genuine love. Paul wants the Roman Christians to see that the heart of living for Jesus is transformed relationships based on love. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And notice three commands here that show us the importance of this. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor evil. Hold fast to good. The word for genuine here, it literally is unhypocritical. It is genuine, true, sincere. We saw back in Romans 2, remember, the problem with self-righteous hypocrisy. Hypocrisy that shows contempt for God's kindness and forbearance and patience. And so in response to God's mercies, we are called as God's people to love people with a true, genuine love. A love that is real. A love that flows from transformed hearts and renewed minds. 
And that means rejecting, settling for a veneer of politeness that might cover backbiting and gossip and prejudice. Because there's nothing quite so toxic to genuine loving relationships than acting one way to a person's face and a different way behind their backs. Instead, as God's people, we pursue a genuine love that is like the one that Jesus has shown for us. Trustworthy and genuine and sacrificial. After all, that's what Jesus has commanded us, that we love one another as he has loved us. But notice that this genuine love, it is based on truth. It is not just an anything goes kind of love, the kind of love that our world says is love. No, this genuine love is based on rejecting what is evil and holding fast to what is truly good. That means that we reject sin. We reject falsehood. We reject what God hates because those things actually hurt us and others. See, our church family should be so sincere in our love for each other, hating to evil and clinging to good, so much that we will not turn a blind eye to bad behaviour. Instead, we gently, graciously confront it even when that might be painful and costly. See, we might want people's approvals or or their love. We can want that so much from them that we care more about that than we care about them. And we won't confront them about sin. We won't have conversation with them because we love their love more than we love them. But at that point, we are simply loving ourselves more than we love them. But true, genuine love is willing to confront and even lose someone that we love in the short run if it means helping them to hate evil and cling to what is good. If it means helping them to grow to be more like Jesus. And genuine love is also willing to hear and repent when others confront our sin too. Have you ever experienced a love like that? I think most of the love that we have to offer is too fragile to ever challenge, too fragile to be tested, too fragile to really travel the tough road of maturing and growing to be more like Jesus together. Okay, but what about people we find difficult? How can we genuinely love those that we find unlovely and hard to love? We have people like that in our lives, don't we? People that we just don't deal with, people that we find difficult to like, let alone to love. There's probably a few people like that to you in this room right now, hey? Maybe they're up the front preaching. Well, that's where we need to keep coming back to God's mercies, to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves. To keep remembering that we ourselves, each and every one of us, have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We have all of us lied. We have all been hypocrites. We're all God's enemies at one time, hostile to him. But God has loved us. He sent his own son for us, even when we were his enemies. He showed mercy to us, even when we were unlovable. When we were rebellious, spiteful, difficult brats, God showed mercy to us. And thinking of ourselves accurately in light of the gospel... 
changes the way that we think about others. Even when we were unlovely, Jesus willingly faced torture and death to save us. God's love for us frees us to love others like that. And if God treated us like that when we were unlovely, we can love difficult people. There's a good chance that we were a lot worse than they are. And we won't often have to give up our lives, just a bit of our time, some of our effort, our energy, our love, our patience. So we need to keep repenting of our lack of genuine love, to keep asking God to work in our hearts and transform us, to keep coming back to the gospel and in response to God's mercies, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice by loving others. That is genuine love. But this love isn't just a warm feeling. It's actually love in action. It's an active love. Verses 10 to 16, Paul gives us a machine gun volley of commands about what this true love looks like in action. This love is so important to the Christian life, he wants us to make sure that we really get it. It starts with a rock-solid commitment to one another. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. This love for one another, it goes deeper than just being acquaintances. It goes deeper than being members of the same club or association. I want to say to you, this love we have for one another goes deeper even than friendship. We're to love one another with brotherly affection. We're not just friends. We are made family in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are members of one another. We love one another as if we are blood relatives. We've told our kids that over their lives, their friends will probably come and go, but their family is forever. They will always be sisters to one another. That's true for the church family too. You know, our Western world doesn't think like this. We live in an age of radical individualism, of do your own thing, of ditch toxic relationships and only keep people who are good for you. But as God's people, we are called to think different, to belong to one another, to love one another with a different love because the Christian life is always lived with others, never alone, always in relationship with each other. And that love will mean putting others, putting others first. Look at the rest of verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honour. To honour someone means to treat them as valuable and precious, to treat them as someone who is made in the image of God, someone loved by Christ, someone precious and important. Showing honour doesn't mean considering ourselves as inferior. It means thinking about ourselves accurately according to the gospel and then seeking to honour and love others, to concentrate more on the needs of others than we do on ourselves. Now imagine if we really did make this a competition, if we genuinely tried to outdo each other in showing this kind of honour. It's not like the silly example of two people at the door, after you, no, after you, no, I insist, no, I insist. That's not it. We can just turn that into another form of pride. But Paul's talking about genuinely seeking to honour and love others more than ourselves. 
Paul expands this in verse 16. He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. This is back to not thinking of ourselves too highly, right? We are willing to associate with people that we might normally look down on. We're not proud and forming cliques. We resist having an in crowd. We don't see ourselves as the best thing since sliced bread. Putting this into practice might be as simple as over morning tea this morning, instead of talking to the people that you always talk to, look out for the people who are left out. Talk to someone that you normally wouldn't. This kind of love that we have for one another also perseveres when things are tough. Verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Now, verse 11, it sounds like it's just talking about us on our own as individuals. But it's in the middle of a huge section about our love for one another. He's saying, don't get tired of loving one another. Don't get lazy about your love. Keep being fervent. Keep serving the Lord in loving each other. Now, Paul has got no illusions about this being hard, this being easy. This kind of love is always hard work. If you share your heart like this, you are opening yourself up to being hurt and disappointed. If you deeply care for others like this, you will feel the, other, the suffering of others more deeply. It would be easy for us to give up. That's where we have to hold fast to the hope of the gospel. That our present sufferings can't even be compared with the glory to be revealed in us. That one day Jesus will return and make all things right. It is only because of the gospel that even when things are tough, we can rejoice in hope. We can be patient in suffering. We can be steadfast in our prayers for each other. So true love is patient. It doesn't give up when the going gets tough. When we're deeply involved in people's lives, it keeps going. And that includes when we hurt each other. Look in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now I think in some ways this verse would be a little bit easier if Paul suddenly switched to talking about outsiders. I think we often expect non-Christians to treat us badly. But I don't think Paul has changed topics. Because verse 15, the very next verse, is still about how we love one another. Paul anticipates that at times we are going to want to curse each other. He expects that sometimes persecution and trouble and pain will come from others inside the church family. So expect that at some point we are going to disappoint one another. Expect that our relationships won't be perfect. Expect that as we learn to love one another as a church family, we will inadvertently hurt one another. And the response of true love to persecution is to bless rather than curse, to forgive rather than take revenge, to build up those who hurt us rather than our reflex to pay each other back. 
Now, there are times when we need to remove ourselves. Paul is not just saying to let yourself be abused or mistreated. Sometimes, often even, the right thing to do is to get out of the situation. But even then, we don't respond to evil with evil. We respond to it with good. We bless and even pray for those who have hurt us. But true love is even one that patiently hangs in there when the times get tough. This kind of love also takes action to care for others. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul's saying, put your money where your mouth is. We are to help those in need, to share our money, our things, our food, our homes, our lives with those in need, to share ourselves. True love isn't mere sentimentality. It is dropping off a meal to someone who's sick or has just had a baby. It's mowing the lawn of someone who's twisted their ankle. It's fixing someone's car when they just can't afford it. I want to say our family has actually been on the receiving end of this from our church family. We've been given meals when we've been sick. We've had people mow our lawn. We've been cared for when we're really flat. Thank you to those who have loved us like that. But there are others in our church family who aren't quite as visible. And you know what? If we're going to meet someone's needs, we need to know them. We need to enter their world. We can't meet each other's needs if we aren't aware of them. If we're not sharing our lives with each other. If we're not sharing each other's messes. Look at verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do you actually know others in our church family well enough to do this? Do we actually care enough for others to weep with those who are weeping? Do we love them enough to rejoice when they're rejoicing, even if maybe they've got something that we want for ourselves? Are we actually willing to share with others the things that we are rejoicing in or weeping over so that they can love us like this? Genuine love is love in action. Love that cares deeply for others. Love that honours others above ourselves, that's truly committed to one another as those who belong to each other in Christ. And this kind of love is actually overcoming love. See, Paul has left the hardest part to last. This is the kind of love that is often the hardest. But it's also the love that most clearly reflects the gospel, that reflects the love of a God who, is willing, who would willingly give his own son to save his enemies. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is where I think we lose Hollywood. This is not a plot line that will get people buying tickets. This isn't the usual goodies versus baddies. 
This is love that reflects a saviour who loved his enemies even by dying for him. And in response to God's great mercies to us, even when we were his enemies, we are to love our enemies. We're to bless those who mistreat us, whether they come from inside or outside the church family. We're to love our enemies, to repay evil with honour, to live at peace with all, as much as it's up to us anyway. We don't repay evil for evil, we overcome evil with good. What is your natural response to evil? What do you normally do when someone hurts you? Uh, I'm going to suggest three different options. Maybe you're like a porcupine. Your natural defence when someone hurts you is to cut them off, off, to roll up into a ball with your spikes out, and anyone who comes close feels your prickles. A sharp word and the punishment of silence. You pretend they don't exist and you refuse to interact. You bloodlessly murder them in your lives. Maybe, instead of a porcupine, maybe you're a rhinoceros. When you're hurt, you put your head down and you charge. Take the person out, cut them down to size. Make sure they get hurt just as much as they hurt you. Rhinos come out swinging, meeting fire with fire. Maybe you're not a porcupine or a rhinoceros. Maybe you're a chameleon. You laugh along with them. You pretend everything's okay. You put up a brave face when you're with them. But from now on, you never let them know the real you. You never let on on that you are hurting. You never have a real relationship with them again. Now, to be sure, trust is something that should be carefully given. But we want to have a love that's genuine, not false. So, whether you're a porcupine, a rhino, or a chameleon, all of them are actually destructive. All of them break relationships and threaten genuine love. All of them are about self-preservation, showing little genuine love for the other person. But Paul gives us a radical new way to treat our enemies. He says that the only way to defeat evil is by doing something that is the complete opposite of our natural response. The only way that we defeat evil is by doing good to those who harm us. Sounds crazy, right? But Paul says that if we do evil to repay evil, then evil has won. If we hate someone who's harmed us, evil has won. And this is hard for us because it it can feel so good to stop evil by seeking to destroy the evildoer. It feels like justice. It feels like we're just doing to them what they've done to us. But, and this is radical, Paul is saying the only way to defeat evil is to forgive and to love. In the Lord of the Rings, you might remember the story, the evil Lord Sauron forges a ring of power. It's a very powerful weapon. And time after time, good men try to use that evil ring to defeat the enemy Sauron. But every time, by doing evil to defeat evil, the good men become evil too. Tolkien actually used this to object to the Allied bombing campaigns against German civilians in World War II. He wrote to his son, you can't use Sauron's weapons 
against sin. We can't fight evil with evil. But if we look closely at these verses, Paul actually shows us how to do this. First, he says, don't avoid the hostile person. Verse 18, Paul said, live peaceably with all. You might think, I won't pay them back, but I'll just ignore them. But you know what? Ignoring someone is actually just a form of payback. Now, in cases of abuse and violence, there are certainly times that it's appropriate to set boundaries and stay away from someone because they're not safe. But don't let this practical application die the death of a thousand qualifications. The principle is stay connected, live at peace, as much as it's up to you. Second, forgive and forgo repayment. Verse 19 says, don't avenge yourself, leave it to the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. This is so freeing to us. You see, it's easy for us to be overcome by the sheer weight of injustice in the world. It it feels so wrong to be unfairly treated or wrongly accused and then to see the perpetrator get away with it. But this verse says, it's okay. You can cope with being unjustly treated because God will make all things right in the end. No hidden sin will be left unpunished. It will be paid for, either at the cross or in the final judgment. No one will get away with it. Perfect justice will be served. And as those who deserve to face that punishment, who have been forgiven... Those who have faith in a saviour who willingly took our punishment and shame for us. We can forgive. We can forego repayment. We can trust that God will do what is right and will serve justice in the end. And lastly, put love into action. Look at verse 20. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. You can see this in verse 14 as well. He says, bless those who curse you. And the result of this is that we will heap burning coals on his head. Now that's a really hard part of Romans to understand. It, It might mean that they will face a harsher judgment from God because they have responded to good by doing evil. Or he might mean that they feel a sense of shame, a metaphorical burning, and they repent. But I want to say, either way you go, that's actually God's business, not ours. We simply put love into action and we do what is good. We do this motivated by the fact that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Going out of your way to wish an enemy well, to do something helpful, to care for them, it is an objective demonstration of God's mercies to us in Jesus. All this sounds pretty hard, doesn't it? In fact, I reckon it's impossible without the gospel. We need to be reminded about God's patient, generous mercies to us, even when we were his enemies. We need to think about ourselves accurately in light of the gospel as sinners saved by grace. We need the spirit in us, changing us to be more like Jesus. And we need God to do his work of transforming us by renewing our minds. And through his work in us, 
We are free to love with genuine love, even our enemies, because this is the love that he has shown to us. This isn't your typical good guys versus bad guys chapter. It is not the stuff of Hollywood blockbusters. It is something far more beautiful. This is God transforming us by the renewing of our minds so that we reflect his love for us and our love for each other and for our enemies. This is God overcoming evil with good through the genuine, active, overcoming love of his people. And this is us loving others as we have been loved by Christ. Let's not be overcome by evil, but let's overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great mercy to us in Jesus. Although we were your enemies and deserved your judgment, you have shown kindness to us by sending your own son to die in our place. Through him we have forgiveness and reconciliation and we have sure hope of the future. Father, please do this work, your work in our hearts that we might love one another and others with this kind of genuine love. When our default response is to repay evil or hurt with hurt, Lord, please help us to love and to respond with kindness and gentleness and grace. When there is hurt within our church family, when we hurt one another, please help us to be quick to forgive and to seek real reconciliation, not just put on a false face. Please, Lord, help us to be people who love one another actively and practically, who weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. May we be people who reflect your love for us in Jesus, in our love for each other and for others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.